everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode I'm joined by Phoebe Hart. Hi Phoebe. Hello everyone. Hi. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing good thank you, not too bad. Good. Yeah, you're over in New Zealand at the moment aren't you? I am yeah, I'm in managed isolation right now but yeah. I'm making it through, it's all you're good. You're making it through. How many days have you got left of it? I am on day six or seven, so I'm halfway okay. through. So okay, it's not too that's bad. not too bad. Yeah. Is it, do you get to go, like, do you get to go outside and? Yeah, I get about an hour you? outside each day now that I have okay. a negative test. So okay. I get a little bit, a little bit of wild. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because that sounds a little bit like you get a bit more freedom than like quarantining in Australia. I know that that's yeah yeah I've definitely heard that other places you literally can't go out at all so I'm very lucky yeah that's good (laughs) that helps (laughs) the fresh air for sure um okay let's get straight on into it and let's get into your journey into becoming a dancer and basically your whole journey um so where did it start when did you start dancing and yeah just go on from there (laughs) Yeah, so I actually, I didn't start till I was quite old in comparison to most kids that get into dance. I think I was around the age of 14, 15 when I first started taking classes. Prior to that, I had trained as a gymnast and was competing as a gymnast at quite a high level, but I had quite a severe spine injury. So um, that was kind of like fading out. And at the time I was um, doing my kind of like GCSE age Mm. and uh yeah my school had an incredible dance program and they used to always use the gymnasts to do flips and tricks in their shows so I was kind of like well what what is this contemporary dance thing that everyone's doing so yeah I went home one day and I said to my mom like oh I think I think I want to dance and um I then found out that my mom had trained to be a dancer at one point in her life and she was like okay cool let's let's go Aww. let's get you going yeah so I, I love that yeah I was a little bit older and the first thing my mom said to me was like look if you're going to do this yes contemporary is great but to be able to do that you need a good foundation so she threw me into ballet classes and you can only imagine a gymnast a 15 year old gymnast in a ballet class with I was very out of my depth it was yeah it was a whole new world yeah that must have been like a crazy experience kind of starting at that age for sure Um, yeah yeah yeah, sorry it was it was very um very difficult I think to come in at that age because you're already starting to become aware of your body and how it's changing Mm -hmm. and then you're thrown into this world where your body really has to look a certain way and I don't have a classic ballet body so I knew straight away that that was going to be difficult and then on top of that the teaching technique was kind of just to stand at the back and to try and make your body look like everyone else's 
yeah and I uh, yeah you can only imagine the uh the technique wasn't quite taught in the right way to me from the start yeah. but I yeah luckily had quite a natural flair for it so I managed to That's pick good. it all up yeah yeah that does help and I think it you know there would have been some like the fact that you did gymnastics you had some sort of training in something that like was still very disciplined and I know mm. like do you know like the whole thing like you know you have to have your knees stretched and like you have you know have to know how to point your feet and you have to build flexibility and strength so you know I can imagine that would have been good for, like an yeah. advantage at some point I don't know if did, what did you feel like the being trained in gymnastics um did that give you an yeah. advantage when it came to maybe like I tricky think, stuff and I think when it came to contemporary it came into okay. my advantage a lot when I started so fast forward from that experience and coming into dance my mum suggested to me that whilst I was in college I traveled up to London a few days a week mm-hmm. um, to do what's called the cat scheme oh, yeah. um so I went to Lab and Cat Scheme for both of my years of college, I believe. So I was traveling up from Brighton to London quite a few times a week. And when I started that, I was obviously introduced to release technique and floor work mainly. And floor work is where I, I thrived from the get-go <laughs> because I think I had that connection with the floor from being a gymnast. Yeah. And I really enjoyed having that kind of low sense of gravity a lot of the time, whereas ballet was quite the opposite you have to be quite upright so yeah I've really found my groove when I started learning different contemporary techniques okay sure yeah that must yeah so did you then after the cat scheme and um so you did you do your a-levels then before going off yeah yeah I did my a-levels in dance music and Spanish um and I had some dance teachers that again were just so nurturing and so encouraging and really keen for me to be going up to London and occasionally missing classes to do that um yeah I I I applied for all of the contemporary schools I Mm. actually also applied to Juilliard in New York oh wow (laughs) yeah um which I got invited to an audition for and I flew to New York for that um and then, yeah, I obviously had my my hopes set really high <laughs> on places where I wanted to go. And mm. I think that was the first moment of like um, witnessing rejection in my life yeah. to like mm-hmm. a high level um, yeah. and not having kind of the skills to manage that because I, I so desperately wanted to get into London Contemporary Dance School. Um, and eventually I ended up only being offered a place at Laban out of all of them. And I say only lightly because it's an incredible <laughs> school, but, um, yeah, it was, yeah. it was an interesting journey. Yeah. I feel like rejection, like your first, you know, whether, how old you be like my, for, like for me, my first thing of rejection was kind of around that same age when I was applying to schools at 16. So, and you at that age, you're not really, you're not equipped on how to deal with something that means so much to you and then no, definitely happen. and it's like it is really hard to kind of yeah like and move forward on, on top of that like you're not taught how to prepare for that but also 
I felt as though I had so much belief and encouragement in me around my auditioning that when I didn't get into a place I felt so much shame and like I'd let so many other people down yeah um because everyone else believed in my skills like far more than I did so Mm. yeah it was yeah yeah big moment yeah (laughs) I feel like and then like that's the usually like the first time like thing of rejection then it just gets more and more as you get more and more into dance and you have to just get (laughs) used to it but um yeah it's normal for anyone listening like in you know you're feeling that you just keep getting rejected from things whether it be schools or jobs it's completely normal like everyone is going through it at some point in their journey yeah and you've got to get comfortable with it for sure. Yeah. You've got to learn to find your way through the rejections and bounce back and um, regain that self-confidence yeah. that you're still worthy of it. I mean, we could talk for hours around <laughs> rejection because it's something I love talking about now, but um, yeah, I know there's yeah. some other things to get talking about too. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you started your full-time training um, at Laban. How was that experience like for you overall you know can go into as much detail as you want any struggles that you had during your training um yeah 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 so I like I just said I originally didn't want I think because I'd been at the cat scheme at Laban already and Mm -hmm. um alongside that actually I should mention because it was such a pivotal thing that launched me into my career I went on to have um from around the age of 16, 17, when I went to the CAT scheme, I joined a youth company in London called Shoreditch Youth Dance um, Mm -hmm. with director Lee Smichael, who had been um, in Matthew Bourne's company his entire career. So from the get-go, before I was even in full-time training and then throughout the entirety of my full-time training, I was dancing for this youth company um, and we would have professional dancers coming in and teaching us and getting to know us as dancers. And we also did little tours around Europe performing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lee Michael and that youth company was a huge part of my journey and mm-hmm. kind of the guy that introduced me to so many people I went on to know. So um, that was kind of going on alongside it all. And um, because I'd done the cat scheme at Laban, I really had my heart set on going somewhere else. Um, yeah. I think because as much as I knew ballet wasn't for me, I so badly wanted to be a cl- more of a classical contemporary dancer. There was kind of that addiction to like wanting to do be good in something that I wasn't good at. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, I'd love to dance. The very first company that my mom ever took me to watch was Richard Alston Dance Company. And I was so desperate to do Cunningham and Mm. to do these kind of classical contemporary techniques so I thought London Contemporary was the place for me and the only place that would help me do that and when I got rejected I had a lot of body image things come up I I think this was the moment that I started to really start to feel like maybe my body wasn't good enough and that's the reason why I wasn't getting in places Um, and really battled with not feeling skinny enough or not feeling like my legs were long enough and all of those classic things that a lot of dancers go through when they want to fit into that classical realm. Yeah. Um, But I went to Laban and I really struggled through the first year because I went in with the mentality that I didn't want to be there. Okay. And um, I actually re-auditioned for the place in that first year 
-hmm. and they offered me a place the second time around but I had to go back to first year in order to go and I was at that Mm -hmm. point I was like no I'm not I'm not repeating I'm not doing another year year. (laughs) (laughs) um so I just yeah I got to a point where I was like you know what I've got to commit to being at Laban I've got to show up at the play in the classes that are going to really support me we had we had amazing Cunningham technique teachers Graham technique I fell in love with um we had our ballet classes three times a week I think it was so I threw all of my energy into the classes I really wanted to get a load of stuff from and the other classes I did enough in order to get good grades (laughs) and it was very much that was very much my attitude most of the time yeah um so yeah I I was very blessed that within the years that I was at Laban I had a few key friends of mine one of them who I lived with who really pulled me up on some of the bad eating habits that I got myself into Mm -hmm. um she knew she saw how hard I was working and how hard I was pushing my body and I was very lucky that I would come home and she'd have dinner on the table for me and that's um, so lovely yeah and just really encouraged me through some of the bad mental state I was in around my eating and around um how I felt about my body um and yeah during the time at Laban I just really I really made sure that as much as I was going to Laban after Laban I would leave I would go to Pineapple Dance Studios I'd go to Studio 68 Mm -hmm. um I had Shoreditch Youth Dance Company on the weekends I just knew that the little Laban bubble that it is, there there weren't enough people being allowed in the building for me to have people knowing who I was. Um, So I just, I really, I worked myself real hard. I made sure that I was in the right room at the right time so that people were knowing me before I'd even graduated. Yeah. and that, yeah, that was that was it really at Laban. I, I used it for what I could and um, I very much skipped it as much as I could in order to meet other people too, which um, yeah. which benefited me hugely, massively. Yeah, let's go into, like, talk more, like, go into that more because I think, and this is, you know, it's, I think it happens in every industry too, like, but there's this whole thing, um, well, it's not even a whole thing, but like like you said, you know, you were making sure that people knew who you were before you graduated, which is really, it's important. And I don't think that's really talked enough in like dance. Like there's this kind of expectation that you'll go to school, you know, if you work hard and it doesn't matter, you know, even if you don't, you know, meet anyone in the sense of putting yourself out there and you just, all you do, you go and audition and you get work. But I think it's so much more than that and it's like it's important to make connections and you know get yourself out there before you graduate like you said and I don't think in schools that's really talked enough like I you know that wasn't talked about when I was in training and now you know here you know talking to other dancers even like even you know listening to when we've had conversations on clubhouse and hearing how important it is to really put yourself out there while you're in training I really wish like that had been put on me more and you know Mm -hmm. and I know there's so many young dancers who are listening that really doing these extra things can be so beneficial to be like seen I guess yeah for sure and 
in some ways, I think a lot of the institutions don't encourage it because it takes you away from the qualification they're trying to get you towards. Yeah. Yeah. So I somewhat understand that, but I do mm-hmm. think there is a level where that there needs to be education around how to network and how to yes. be good at networking. Mm-hmm. I think for some people it comes a lot more naturally. And for me, mm-hmm. I think it was quite natural because I, I didn't grow up in London and I came into it late. So the only way I was going to get somewhere is if I made sure that if someone offered me an opportunity, I was there and I was given it some. Yeah. Um, and I actually very nearly didn't get given my degree at Laban because I think I failed by attendance. And the reason being was because in my third year, there were some classes where it was like, you have to have 100% attendance. But I was like, but there are auditions happening on this day. And my whole point of being at this school was so I can go on to audition and get a job. So actually, I'm going to skip these classes to go to the audition. Um, Mm. And in the end, I said to them, like, hey, look, I'm one of four people out of 92 in my year group that got a job. I I would really appreciate my degree because I worked really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it was all fine they were really lovely about it um but yeah networking so important and not enough said around it I Mm -hmm. think you can be I know I know for sure there are dancers that are better than me and were at the same level as me but they didn't put them in a position they didn't put themselves in a position where they were meeting people or even putting themselves in a position where they were learning outside of their little bubble. Like I went and trained in other styles. I went and trained in things that I felt uncomfortable in because the reality is, is it's not easy for everyone to study in one thing and to go out and get that job in that one thing. Mm-hmm there are so many different sides of the industry now and you need to be able to morph yourself into so many different things while still knowing who you are so yeah I got a little bit on a tangent there no it's fine no no, no. I think it's it's good like I think it needs to be you know it needs to be talked about and then I mean we'll go on to after you left Laban let's like let's talk more about your career and how and like getting work how was that like, did you yeah, get so I think, out of school or? <laughs> yeah, I got a job straight out of school. And funnily yeah. enough, it was with Richard Alston Dance <laughs> Company. So yeah, all of that. True. Yeah, it, it was yeah. crazy. But you know what is so strange? And this really reaches into the things that I'm, I advocate for now is that mm-hmm. I was manifesting that so hard from the second that I first watched them perform and I watched Overdrive, the piece Overdrive. Mm -hmm. The second that I saw it and studied it, I was like, I'm doing that at some point. And everyone sees manifestation as this thing where you say it and it just comes true. But there is so much aligned action that needs to be taken in order to get to a space where that thing comes true for you. And I, Yeah. yeah, that was one of those moments in my life where it's like, I knew that this was going to happen for me and I did not stop till it happened. So yeah, yeah, even the way I got into the company is like such a, an interesting route. So um, when you graduate from contemporary schools in London, um, they give you the option to apply for apprenticeships mm-hmm. um, through their postgraduate degree program. So I applied for a postgraduate at the place and Richard Alston was one of those apprenticeships there. 
so you go in and you do an audition to be selected to then like whichever company they think you should then go and audition for um separately so I went in and I think I separately to that I did an audition for Phoenix Dance Theatre who were interested in me at the time so I knew that I'd got to a place where like that style Mm -hmm. I'd reached a point where like people were actually like okay this girl can do this yeah oh apologies don't worry it's fine I just got some kind of emergency alert on my phone I think New Zealand's gone into another lockdown in Auckland oh (laughs) Oh, yeah I saw yeah I saw something earlier posted about yeah I think you're going into like another level level two oh it's following me (laughs) it's following (laughs) okay um Um, so and anyway long short I so I applied for all of the apprenticeships knowing that Alston was the one I wanted yeah um And at the same time as all of these auditions were happening, I was actually dancing for a guy called Lucas McFarlane, who won Got to Dance. Yeah. Yeah, so I was in his um, company, Untitled Dance Company, during my third year at school. So we were doing shows and making work with him. um, And it was more down the kind of um, commercial contemporary route, the work that I was doing with him. And I was loving it. I was loving working with him. He's an incredible teacher and such an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that I was doing a performance for his company at Move It the same mm-hmm. weekend that the the same weekend that the Austin audition was happening. And I was oh, like, no. oh, I was like, okay, this is this is this is real work. I'm working for this guy right now. Yeah. And I've committed to doing this job with him. Mm-hmm. It was like one of those moments where it was like, I had to fully trust that if Austin was going to happen for me one day, I just, it was going to happen. And I just yeah. had to surrender to that. So I yeah. actually didn't go to the audition. Oh my God, that Austin. must have been hard. <laughs> Honestly, I, sometimes I look back and I'm like, girl, you were crazy. But <laughs> um. I didn't go to the audition because I had obviously got um, an offer yeah. to do the apprenticeship elsewhere with Phoenix Dance Theatre, so I knew I had options. Okay. And, um, yeah, I got a message from a girl in the company, Richard Olson Company, and she knew of me through when I used to dance for Shoreditch Youth Dance Company. Okay. Because mm-hmm. she had seen me perform in the youth company many moons ago. And she was the only other female that had ever been hired from Laban to dance for Richard Alston. Okay. Mm-hmm. Before me. Mm-hmm. So I got a message from her and she said, hey, uh, Richard didn't find anyone in the audition this weekend. And I know you were the only person that didn't show up. I was wondering if you would be interested if I put you forward to come in for a company class this week. Oh, just yeah. to come in and take yeah. class and yeah. for him to see you and I my jaw hit the floor oh. I was like I was like this is it like there's yeah, no doubt about this I'm yeah. going in and I'm getting this job so yeah. I did company class with them for I think two days that week I skipped mm-hmm. Laban to do it <laughs> and um yeah I got offered the apprenticeship with them and it was mad all just through trusting my own intuition and having those contacts having people see me before I'd graduated basically yeah um and yeah I so I so I danced with Austin for that year it was an incredible year um really I got to dance overdrive which was the piece I <laughs> what you wanted to do. yeah uh. um 
we performed at Sadler's. It was the 20th anniversary of the company that year. So there was like a big hype around the company. We went yeah. to New York. Wow. Um, and then just after Sadler's Wells, before the spring tour, which was leading up to me um, finding out whether I could continue with the company or not. Yeah. Um, I went in in the morning in the middle of ballet class. Boom, broke my foot. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, that is so sad. I'm so yeah, sorry. honestly. Um, oh, well, yeah. But that's that's that took me on a whole new journey, and really okay. to the journey where I where I've ended up now, long, long, many years down the line. But yeah, um, yeah, I didn't get offered another year with the company um, because they they couldn't they didn't have space for anyone that year, and I also had broken my foot, so I wasn't very useful. Yeah. Um, I did a couple freelance jobs after my foot recovered um, with Dane Hurst and a few other people in London. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm very replaceable. That was the first time that I realized how replaceable I was. I broke my foot and within the next day there was another girl in dancing my part. Yeah. And I realized, okay, there needs to be something more in my life other than just dance because mm -hmm this doesn't always last forever yeah um and a lot of people saw me as crazy because I'd obviously left and been in this amazing position but I just decided to pack it all up and to move to the other side of the world I was like <laughs> I'm gonna move to Sydney I don't know I why that. I was like <laughs> I, I had a couple of, of Aussie friends at the time and I just felt this really strong pull that I needed to move to the other side of the world mm. um so I moved, I did a year um, in Australia, really lived it up. I think that was the first time I allowed myself to be a young female yeah. and not a dancer. Yeah. I, They're definitely I separate kind of lives, <laughs> yeah. strangely. Yeah. yeah, we didn't have the normal uni experience. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, kind of, I kind of lived that over there and okay. I learned to surf. I, mm -hmm. um, I started doing a lot more yoga. I did a couple of dance jobs in Sydney whilst I was there, which was lovely. And one job down in Melbourne. And then um, I decided, oh, I'll pop back to the UK in summertime, European time. I was like, I'll go back because I want to see my family. Um, and the day I landed in England, I received a message from a choreographer called Emma Portner. And I had, previously done workshops of hers every summer that she flew over to England because she's she was from the states she used to come over um once a year and I adored her work I'd followed she was I followed her on YouTube from like way back when I was like a teen um and I got an email from her like hey I've been asked to choreograph this musical in London and I really need some dancers that I know in the room just to help me workshop the material mm -hmm. and I was like well hey I've, I've not really danced for a year but let's go like I adore yeah. you I really want to be in that room yeah um so I went into a week-long workshop for the original musical Bat Out of Hell and at the end of that week they offered me a job in the musical oh my god um, <laughs> yeah yeah no, nuts. I never yeah, never in my life thought I would <laughs> I would be in a musical in my life never 
Um, but yeah, I, I felt again, I just was like, pinch me because mm -hmm. I have always wanted to work for Emma first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And now I've just been given like a full year and a half contract off the back of like not being here. Yeah. Yeah. So I got offered the contract and mm -hmm. I was very, very naive to what was about to happen. <laughs> but um. I um yeah, I went into it and helped Emma choreograph the show. Mm -hmm. Um I absolutely adored every second that I got to spend in the studio with her and to learn from her because she had always been such such an idol of mine and how often do you get to say that you you yeah. have that time um yeah. but we also we went through the struggle of being contemporary artists within a world of musical theater yeah we we collectively felt a very out of our depth at times I think um and it was a whole and because it was a brand new show as well there was just so much room for uncertainty in a lot of places there was so much room for change 24 7 you'd go in and you'd spend a whole week choreographing one number and then the number would be cut the next day it was yeah it was a very big learning experience in regards to being on the creative side of things because mm -hmm. I'd always just gone in and been a dancer up until that point but helping create the material and growing an attachment to the material and mm -hmm. then being one of the dance captains and wanting to keep the material authentic mm -hmm. in a world where it actually needed to be molded into something more musical theatre um yeah. I came up in, I came up into a lot of struggle within that contract of wanting to stay true and authentic to Emma because that was where my love lied. Mm -hmm. And then also having to learn the, the rules of the land of musical theater at the same time, you know, I was faced with a cast of very highly skilled musical theater actors, singers, dancers mm -hmm. going, who is this contemporary chick that's coming in and telling me to do this, this, <laughs> this, you know? Yeah. Um, but what a what an incredible um, year it was. I got mm -hmm. to dance eight shows a week to thousands and thousands of people every night. Yeah. Um, and I traveled to Toronto with it too. So wow. I did I did the West End. I mean, I never thought I would do the West End. So um, yeah, lots of lots of mental health struggles during that year okay. um and it led me to what I've now gone into with my career now um, mm. that was actually the last contract I ever did and that was I finished that in January 2018 so it's been okay. three years three, yeah <laughs> um yeah and I haven't danced a single contract since that so um there was a huge unraveling for me during all yeah. of that year yeah um a lot of a lot of um self-confidence issues I think it's really interesting that you get picked for a job and then within a job you can lose so much confidence yeah. in being good enough for something mm -hmm. even though you were picked for the job yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's where that's where I've kind of ended up doing what I'm doing now so when I left that out of hell I just knew that I needed to go and train in something that was going to kind of feed 
my soul a little bit more yeah. I'd really mm -hmm. fell out of love with the industry in a sense that we're so good at understanding our bodies and training our bodies but we actually treat ourselves so yeah. badly yeah. alongside that yeah um and it didn't feel right to me and the superficial side of the industry just I could not handle mm -hmm. um and I, I've always been very sensitive emotionally so and I you're taught I, I literally was told on that contract um, and it was a really tough thing to be told, but I was told you're probably too sensitive for this. Oh. It's probably best that you don't do another show like this. And oh my God. yeah. And it killed me. I honestly, really, I, yeah. Because I think as artists, we are highly sensitive beings and we have mm. to be because we have to have our emotions readily available. The second yeah. we step on that stage, mm -hmm. And I've always felt as though my sensitivity is also my superpower because it allows me to emote things through my body that I can't say with my face or my words. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, I took a massive knock in mm -hmm. my self-esteem that year. I slipped back into a lot of my bad eating issues. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the support around me to kind of get through that year and all of the enormity of change that it brought into my life. Yeah. Um doing eight shows a week, I tell you, is not easy. No, <laughs> I can't imagine. Especially all um, of the same show. Like it doesn't change yeah. for like the whole year. Honestly, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. You, as a contemporary dancer in contemporary companies, you get used to getting new work and repertoire I guess similar yeah. to in the ballet world yeah exactly. you get refreshed every few months you know mm -hmm. um but finding the joy in doing the same steps yeah singing the same song but yeah. there were there were elements of it that were so incredible like yeah the music in Battle of Hell the musicians in that show phew, they blew <laughs> me away every night and <laughs> the fun that we had on that stage no matter yeah. how many fights and arguments there were during rehearsal time you'd get on the stage mm. and everyone would literally be having the best mm. time so yeah. yeah yeah it was it was a very bittersweet year yeah. for me mm. um but yeah I left and the second I got told I didn't get given another year which mm. was a recurring thing doing something for a year and then not being offered the job for the following year mm -hmm. Um, I was like, right, that's me off again then. I'm going to pack my bag and back to Australia I go. Um, another recurring thing. I love it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I love, I love traveling. And I was mm -hmm. like, I've just worked my ass off for quite a length of time. I'm going to mm -hmm. go feed Phoebe rather than dancer Phoebe. Um, so I went back to Oz. I actually trained to be a surf instructor. So I spent... Oh, wow. Yeah, I spent mm. uh, three months back at the surf camp that I used to work at and I um, got my qualification to teach surfing. And then from there, I got myself a job in Indonesia teaching surf. And alongside that, I did my yoga teacher training. Okay. Um, so I ended up living in Indonesia for around four or five months teaching yoga and surfing and really reinventing myself as mm. um not a dancer and yeah. uh yeah and then I continued traveling with surf and yoga for a wee while longer I got offered a job in New Zealand 
Um, and I came to New Zealand, uh, I did a full season just surfing. And then I, I met my partner here within those first few weeks of being here. And I obviously fell in love with living here. So I started to look for ways that I could make a life for myself here. And at the same time as doing that, I, I always had this niggle in me that I wasn't done with dance. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, like you decide to leave the industry, but you can't ever really let go of yeah. being a dancer. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, I reached out to a local dance school here in New Zealand and I was like, hey, these are the things that I've done in the UK and I'm in a place where I want to share some of this so um yeah they they grabbed at the opportunity and I started just teaching workshops and um teaching contemporary classes because the mm -hmm. contemporary scene over this side of the world is it's obviously different. like yeah it's a little mm -hmm. it's like a step behind I think Australia yeah. has really gained a lot in the mm -hmm. five years that I've been to and from there but New Zealand mm -hmm. is again another little step behind in regards yeah. to there's not a lot here for people. Yeah. Um, there's incredible talent here, but there's not really a lot of people coming here to teach or yeah. to share. Yeah. So there was, yeah, there was a gap at this school for me to um, start teaching some floor work and getting back mm -hmm. into like the contemporary side of my life. And mm -hmm. from there, the kind of itch to be back around dance kind of grew. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I mean, that brings us to the past year when we locked down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually flew back to Europe last March um, for a family reason. Um, and it just so happened that the world shut down two days yeah. after I arrived back. Um, yeah. So I found myself living in Spain with my family who I hadn't been with for a lot of my life. Mm -hmm. and going okay what now because I when I knew I had to come back to Europe yeah. to be with my family I thought oh great like I've been dancing mm -hmm. a bit I'm just going to go for it and try and get back into the industry again mm -hmm. um, but obviously that never happened <laughs> so I I started investigating like what I could do within mm -hmm. this time and um one of my yoga teachers from Bali reached out and was like, hey, like this is the best time to get your teaching online. There's gonna be a boom. Yeah. There is gonna be a need for people that teach wellness and can support people through this time. Yeah. And you need to get yourself online ASAP. So yeah, I had an incredible, I had an incredible, um, I reached out to a yoga business coach and she helped me kind of, figure out and get clear on what it is I wanted to offer to the world mm -hmm. and I started just um doing yoga classes online and just seeing amongst my social media who was interested and um I started to realize that the people that were coming to me the most were dancers mm. and I was like oh okay um I thought it would have been like surfers and travelers because that's how I kind of went into yoga but um so many dancers coming to me being like how is your body still in, so in shape and so flexible still when you haven't been dancing for so long? Like, I guess they could see quite a shift in my um, mental state too over the years that I'd been away from the industry. Mm -hmm. 
And um, yeah, I just, I started really investigating into how I could support dancers and really looking at what it is that I needed in that year in Battle of Hell that I didn't have. Yeah. I was like, what have I got now in my toolbox that I needed then? And Mm -hmm. this like, I've just boomed my brain open and I was like, I can really help people. Mm -hmm. And I really want to help people. And I really want to start bringing some of these tools into dance education so that people don't wind up in places that I was in. Yeah, Um, exactly. Like living the most highs of highs in an incredible career, but feeling so low and not having not having a sense of any like achievement or pride in what I was doing um just yeah just in general like living my best life but actually not living my best life at yeah. all yeah <laughs> um think, so yeah, yeah. I, I eventually created my um online course transform yoga for dancers um and I just feel like lockdown allowed me to kind of birth my baby my (laughs) my, like my my passion I've been from the second I left the industry and while I was surfing and traveling I've been on the lookout for something that can ignite my soul as much as dance used to Mm -hmm. and I feel as though now I found it in like being back in connection with dance and um being back in connection with it from a really healthy way Mm-hmm. um so yeah I ran I've ran my course it's an eight-week course it used to be four weeks but I've developed it a lot further mm-hmm. um I ran it twice in 2020 I had dancers from Oz Canada New Zealand England um and I'm it's actually beginning again in like two days time I've just launched That's it again so, yeah so um it's basically an eight-week course that gives the foundations of the yogic tools that I've learned over the last three years Mm -hmm. and also we go on like a real kind of self-discovery journey we look a lot at our emotional body and how we can start to nurture and love our emotional body alongside training our physical body as a dancer Mm um so yeah I'm I've just adored helping more dancers and I feel like um yeah, I feel like I've found a new pathway. And alongside that, I've I've actually allowed myself to heal a lot of my old traumas from the industry. Mm-hmm. And I've started training myself again in dance and I've been reaching out to dance opportunities again from that because a lot of it, I think, is mindset. Yeah. I think if you can if you can go into a dance job with the right mindset and know how to support yourself and your mind throughout the job yeah then you'll live a much healthier life than I did that's for sure (laughs) yeah no it's crazy how much of like getting through like you know whether it be an amazing experience but like when things happen like managing that how much of it is like how you think up here and the way you like react to things and the way you like everything is so like it literally is just the yeah your mind and if you're going into an environment with the wrong mindset like that can ruin you essentially um yeah which is but it's yeah that's it's great what you're doing and the fact and I think it's 
I think there is definitely a new wave and I don't know if it's like lockdown, but I think a lot of dancers like for this time has been really healing for mm-hmm. everyone because it's been like a step away from the toxic environment like it's obviously I wouldn't say but like we know dance is quite a toxic environment for many reasons and having the lockdown being with your family for well for most people with uh, with their family for like have been I've been with with my parents for 12 months I have not been like had that for years and I think Mm. it's just been so healing for everyone who's like been able to experience that maybe not everyone but like I think it has helped a lot of people Yeah, it's been someone on Clubhouse the other day called it the great pause. And <laughs> I great, think yeah. I think it's such a great way to say it. I think I my worry is that actually there is going to be an industry full of a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of trauma from this year yeah. that needs to be addressed going forward into whatever yeah. this new normal is now. But I actually, yeah. on top of that, this time has allowed people to figure out who they are away from dance Mm -hmm. and to know and that that is there's so much power in knowing who you are as a human before you put the label dancer on top of it yes exactly um so yeah I think there's definitely been a huge um shift within Mm -hmm. this last year there's been a lot more people addressing the mental health issues within the industry now And really, yeah, I just, I just wanted, I wanted to jump on board with that and to just really support people in the way that I can, because there are so many tools out there. It's just a case of now trying to integrate them within the industry. And hopefully now we've had this reset, shape the industry in a way that we now want it to be rather than how it has been because there's going to be a generation of younger dancers after us that are going to need this to be yeah. different from now on yeah um, exactly and I think you know the whole social media thing like I, I like you know you wouldn't have grown up with like the same social media that's going on now and even for me like I only started really growing as I was 14 so I was so lucky that in that you know that early stage of my life I didn't have all that stuff and that's a whole nother wave that is put on like the generation underneath us that are going to need that support you know it'll be different to the support that like my generation might need or you know the the in between and that but like yeah it's important to have that there and people sharing you know their tools and things that have helped them is really important yeah and I think that's something that dancers need to be aware of is that this is social media is part of our life now and you need to look at who you're following and yes. whether if you're looking at things, it's making you feel good or if it's making you feel bad. Yeah. Um, and I, like you said, I was so blessed. Instagram mm-hmm. didn't become a thing until I think my second year at Laban. Mm-hmm. And uh, to grow up in an industry at the time where you weren't being videoed every class, you didn't yeah. have to take videos of yourself. Mm-hmm. I know it's like, undoubtedly at all you have to have now but I I do feel blessed that um my insecurities weren't fed any further by all of that when I was training yeah I think that's the big thing it's like the insecurities that we have as dancers will happen whether we're you know will happen because we're in dance and we're surrounded by so many things and you know comments and everything and then you add 
the pressures of like social media or you know seeing more things you have access to see anyone you want dance if that makes sense like you're able to compare yourself to someone that maybe five years ago without or six years ago without Instagram you wouldn't know existed and you wouldn't have to worry about it and yeah yeah. so it's very it's strange and you know it's difficult I think for young people to like fully navigate that and understand that especially if that's all they've known and like understanding that you know it's difficult but yeah I want to Oh, no, you no, go ahead. Go. I know, no, that's okay. <laughs> um, no, I just think if people can start to learn how to use Instagram as more of a business tool rather than a place to go and consume. Yeah. Um, I just know that since I've set up my yoga business online, my um, experience with Instagram has been so different because now I go on there in order to provide and to market myself as mm-hmm. And that's the thing as dancers, you are a business, you are your own business, you need to understand how to actually market yourself. Um, but yeah, the second that I shifted to that mentality of like using it as a tool for my business, rather than being a consumer on there, yeah. things shifted a lot. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I definitely like I completely get un- like get that because for me, like I have two Instagram accounts in the sense that I have my podcast account which is more about me providing content and me like putting stuff out and then I have my personal account where I post and I try to use it in like a I guess like a helpful way and you know I'm really um something that I'm really I guess into is just being quite like raw and real on social media I don't like all this surface level stuff that I'm just that I you know I see all the time but definitely like the difference in what I see and like maybe what is consumed because of the people I follow is different on both accounts. And it's really interesting because like, you know, on the, like you said, like one account, you're really putting yourself out there as a business and to provide something of value. And then, you know, then going on a personal account for me, like I've seen so many people just posting some stuff without, any value and then everyone's just consuming just nothing almost (laughs) like at the end like yeah I mean obviously it's different that's just how I see yeah no I think there's definitely definitely space to consume but like we said I think make sure you're following things that make you feel good (laughs) yeah exactly yeah Yeah. that it's not making you feel bad about yourself um Mm. Let's talk more about Clubhouse because that's quite a new thing and that's kind of how I met you. Um, yeah, so, I love it. Yeah, yeah let, just yeah, tell us a bit about what it is because I know I feel, well, for me, I feel like I'm one of the youngest ones kind of in the, particularly in like the dance space that's on it at the moment. Um, yeah. And yeah, just tell the listeners about like what it is and kind of what's going on and what they can get out of it essentially as well. Yeah, so I... I've heard about Clubhouse because a lot of yogis that I follow were were talking about it and I was like oh and I've really been interested in um, the other social platforms that we can use other than Instagram mm-hmm. so I was yeah. like okay what is this I'll check it out yeah and I went on and literally the first day I was on it I was like whoa like this is the platform for me mm-hmm. <laughs> um, really so Clubhouse is, is an audio based platform and the networking availability on it is insane like 
when I tell you that on like the second or third day I was in a room with like a famous singer and having like a one to not a one-to-one but like a group chat with this like well-known singer you know you're like yeah holy heck like I'm I'm literally being able it it completely tears down all of the middle people that you would have to go through in life to be able to talk to someone yeah so yeah I've and also I think it's a platform to really be able to be heard and Mm -hmm. to hear you know and everyone everyone has a voice and everyone I mean for myself like that there's a lot of things that I want to speak about on a Mm -hmm. large scale especially around dance and within wellness and dance and Mm -hmm. so on Clubhouse you can essentially um, when you sign up you put your interests in and then um, you go on the look for people within your industry I suppose Um, and I just started following anyone with dancer or choreographer in their name pretty much yeah um and yeah some of the rooms that we've been in we've both been in together Mm -hmm. um the main one I first hopped into I'm trying to remember the first one I hopped into where I met Rebecca and Christian but I think it might have been a networking one yeah Yeah, I think think it was was networking out of the dance yeah yeah that was the first one I think I joined in as well yeah and I mean the great thing is is that you can raise your hand whoever's running the room will invite you up to speak if mm-hmm. if they feel you're someone that would yeah. contribute to the conversation mm-hmm. and then the second you're given the mic it's like it's your moment to be heard and there's yeah. there are people sitting in their rooms at home like really hearing you like yeah. really not seeing you not taking no. like not having a judgment of who you look taking in like your outer being before they actually hear your voice and they hear you Mm -hmm. which is so beautiful um and I guess I just went in full throttle on clubhouse with um the things that I believe should be brought into dance education i.e um emotional well-being and mental health and um yeah I just i I just started joining more rooms around that and Christian and Rebecca brought me into a few of their chats as um, moderator and co-host and it's just been it's just been a really insane place to network yeah like I've been I've been in a room with huge dance casting directors and dance agents and and I've never had an agent yeah and as as you know I've never like really been in those kind of audition casting environments that much either so to be able to be in a room and to be heard by an agent and a casting director and to have Mm -hmm. like a one-to-one conversation where they know me they know what I'm about Mm -hmm. they haven't seen me they haven't even watched me dance yeah but then they reach out to me on Instagram and like genuinely want to connect you know they're like I I really advocate for what you've said hit me up and let's talk yeah and I'm like dancers and actors and performers you need to get yourself on this app because if you can come in and be authentic and be genuine and have honest conversations in these rooms where there are big names from the industry (laughs) in yeah people are gonna give you opportunities from it and it's already happened like yeah there are people making connections and getting opportunities from it already and it's just beautiful yeah. 
that's yeah. a really cool space. Yeah, I definitely, I think, I think I would love to see like, I'm. there has been like more and more classical dancers kind of moving into that space. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see how that goes and kind of see if people, I guess, higher up in the, like, cause you know, they've, there's got a lot of, um, what was it? Like agencies and people who like, I get what yeah that's what it's called <laughs> agencies I'm getting confused but like I'd love to see like creative directors of like ballet companies get into that space I think yeah. that would be interesting I'm not sure if it will happen but I think that could be really kind of interesting to either hear them speak and kind of, or just even be able to have a conversation because essentially that is what is happening but on the other side of things like you have yeah. there's producers I was in a room last night with loads of people particularly like Americans because it's like quite late um in the acting world and you know producers and directors of you know people who were doing working with Netflix and HBO and just it was like crazy I was like I was literally like listening cool, right? I was like I was like oh my god like I mean if I was really into acting that's definitely something I would try and pursue it's not something that I'm looking at now but mm. I think it, there's so many opportunities out there for young creatives and I I think then you know young people listening like I've got seven invites on Clubhouse like hit me up and I'll yeah and I've got I've got six guys so <laughs> yeah well there up. we go um but honestly like you even if you don't because I know a lot of people won't feel the most comfortable speaking you know which is fine um but you can still gain so much from the yeah. conversation and hearing people talk about experiences there's so much that you can the amount you can learn from people on there yeah. is insane and the amount that you can hear about other things that are happening yeah and then go on to learn from other people like I've already signed up to like um this choreographer's masterclass tomorrow just from like <laughs> hearing her talk about it on, on I love that yeah so, yeah. yeah it's insane it's, it's really cool yeah and it's like it's still fairly new as well. Like I wouldn't say it's the most super oversaturated yet with like everyone, and it's growing on a you know daily basis essentially. Um, yeah, and it's the cool thing about it is that you can just kind of have it playing in the background like a podcast. If yeah, you are just exactly. someone that's listening. Yeah, um, it's like a twenty-four hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you could be on it all day. Yeah, but, yeah, and there's so much stuff as well. Like there's not you know if you're like literally the things I that come up on mine like because you know when you type in your like interests and stuff like if it's like you know um if you're like active and or like you know because I'm vegan so like you know vegan and I'm getting like people being like oh you know there's like a meditation at like they'll do a meditation class live on clubhouse that seems really fun I haven't done it yet but like I get the notification I'm like wow or like there'll be like a 10 minute Wednesday workout or you know talking about like you know there's so many things like there's literally a room for everyone to feel like a part of um and that's what I think is great and it's real that's the other thing you can't really hide behind your voice in the sense that like okay no one knows what you look like but you can't you know like you're hearing someone's voice like it's not fake like you can't like yeah. how much can yeah, you fake yeah. like what you're saying if that makes sense yeah, so you, you really know yeah exactly <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> I mean I think I don't know were you in the room where there was this like weirdo that came in like the other day I don't, I don't think I oh got to witness that okay no. I think it was in the 
I don't know if it was the networking or like the dark side of that. There was one of the like a more dancey town. And these three people came in and I think they were like, they put their hands up a speaker. And I think, you know, the moderators like let them in. I don't know who it was um, because, you know, you, they seem, I guess, fairly legit. And then this guy just starts, turns on his mic and just starts swearing. I was like, what? It was really oh, weird. Yeah. That was the first time. And I felt so bad because I think it was, I think actually Rebecca and Christian were the moderators of that group. And everyone was like, oh my God, like what? And it was just, it was kind of freaky. That was the oh, first time I'd oh, heard yeah. of any weird thing come on, like happen. But yeah, I would say it's going to be interesting to see where Clubhouse heads because yeah. I was having a talk to my friend about it the other day. Mm. And it's really incredible to have a voice and to voice your opinions. But I actually mm-hmm. think there's going to come a point where you actually need to be really careful about what you yes. say on the app too. Yeah. Because already, especially within the kind of industry we're in, people like to drop names quite a lot. And yeah. I think there's going to get a, to a point where it's like actually for privacy sake and yeah. for the sake of making sure you manage your reputation within the industry you're going to need to really filter some of the things that you say yeah. and pull yourself up on like um putting yourself forward again like knowing how to network and business yourself yeah. properly um because yeah. it's all good having an opinion but um yeah you yeah. definitely need to yeah you need yeah yeah exactly like you kind of have to think of you know if some yeah, you don't want to put yourself out in a bad light, you know, talking about people negatively behind their back, people you've worked with. Like there's no there's no kind of room for that because no one's going to want to work with someone who's, you know, doing like talking like that. Um, and I guess as well, like as it grows, there's going to be a bit like more and more, I guess, random people joining, I feel like, as it grows. But that's, I guess, with any social media and it's kind of, but it's fine. Like I wouldn't say it's a huge issue at the moment. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know, Phoebe, is there anything else that you'd like to kind of touch on before we round up the conversation? Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, there's so, there's so much, you know, I feel like I could talk to you for ages. Um, (laughs) but I think in general, I just want people to know that there are tools out there to support you as a dancer and if you're ever in a space where you are feeling out of touch with your emotional body alongside Mm -hmm. dance or you're looking for support in it there is such a world of support out there for you now um and I and I only come from the yoga therapy side of things but if anyone is interested in learning yogic tools and that's not just physical yoga as we know it that's meditation Mm -hmm. breath work mindset affirmation work Mm -hmm. manifestation work um hit me up I'm Mm -hmm. uh I'm here and readily available for anyone that wants um even just a chat with me that's That's great yeah yeah tell the listeners where they can find you to if they want to contact you and I'll leave so I have it in the description um, I have my website, which is very easy. It's just phoebeheart.com. Mm-hmm. And then I also have my Instagram, which is phoebeheartyoga. And that's mainly where I'm at. That's where I kind of spend most of my time, which is on Instagram. Of course, Clubhouse as well, like we just said. And I'm just at phoebeheart on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for the most part, um, just give 
Phoebe Harper search and you'll find me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll leave that all the information in the description so the listeners can find you. Um, yeah, I think that's a great kind of place to round up and it's been really great to chat and I think we've had a lovely conversation. I hope the listeners get something out of it. Um, I'm sure they will. <laughs> But yeah, so we'll finish there for today. Thank you so much, Phoebe, for coming on. And thank Thank you, you listeners. Yeah, no worries. Um, You guys can hear me next week. And yeah, have a lovely week. Bye.